The following audio is from Shady Grove Presbyterian Church in Rockville, Maryland. Our mission is to follow Jesus Christ and labor for His kingdom both in our area and around the world. For more information about Shady Grove Presbyterian Church, please follow us on Facebook and visit ShadyGrovePCA.org. Thank you, Elise and Steve, for that. It was beautiful. Um, Hope you have your Bibles ready. Um, We'll be in Psalm 23 today, so you can go ahead and open up your Bibles or your apps uh, there. And uh, if you do not own a Bible, uh, that's okay. We're glad that you're tuning in this morning. There are plenty of uh, websites where you can get uh, access to a Bible for free. Uh, One of them would be uh, like uh, BibleGateway.com would be an example. We use uh, the ESV translation, and so just invite you to head over to Google, maybe type in Psalm 23 ESV and uh, try and follow along with us. Uh, And as you're tuning there, let me tell you um, uh, about this little group that my wife and I recently joined. Uh, We have some friends of ours, uh, ministry friends, who started a little group uh, they invited us into um, to share a marriage tool with us. It's a marriage tool that they picked up last fall uh, at a marriage conference they went to, and it has so uh, transformed their marriage, and it's been so good for them. Uh, that they wanted to share it with their own friends with the hope that uh, it might be a benefit uh, to us. And so uh, the tool that they've been sharing with us over the last couple weeks is basically a structured form of letter writing, okay? And so the whole idea is that the, the spouse, uh, the two spouses um, sit down together to write this letter uh, to each other with this uh, goal of eventually trying to connect at the, the same emotional level. And what you do is you pick a question. There's these lists of questions that you sit down to try and answer together. And you pick a question and you answer it in the form of a letter to your spouse. And so uh, the question might be something like this. uh, Name something good that your spouse has done for you. And how do you feel about that? Or uh, perhaps even, uh, how do you feel uh, when I cry? Right? And, and you write these letters to each other. And then after writing the, the letter to each other, you exchange the letter and read it, and then talk about uh, how the letters make you feel after reading them. And again, the whole idea is to try and connect on the same emotional level with your spouse, on the same, actually the same emotional feeling, uh, with the hope that that would deepen and grow uh, the marriage relationship. Now, Neva and I have only been doing this for a couple of weeks, and we've only gotten to do a few of these letters. And so ask me again uh, in a few months if this actually works and <laughs> how it worked for us. Um, but the point I wanted to, the reason why I wanted to share this with you is because I think this is a great illustration, at least in some ways, of, of what the Psalms are like and why we have the Psalms. Uh, now, of course, uh, we have the Psalms to teach us about who God is and what he has done for his people. Um, but Other genres in the Bible do that as well, right? The narratives, the stories, they tell us about who God is and what he has done. And certainly the epistles uh, in the New Testament, they tell us about who God is and what he has done. And so part of what makes the Psalms unique is these these poems, these uh, hymns, these songs, right? Um, Using this poetic language gives us our own language for our own emotions, gives us our own language for our own prayers, uh, gives us assurance to approach God on an emotional, uh, experiential level in a way that we wouldn't know if we didn't have the Psalms. And using the Psalms as our guide, we can connect with God, uh, our God on a deeper level, uh, who knows our weaknesses, right? He knows our weaknesses 
And the Psalms teach us that he is uh, near to us and tender with us in our weaknesses. And so uh, this morning, we are going to be talking about uh, the emotion of fear. And this is an emotion that's common uh, to the Bible. It's common to the Psalms. You find it in uh, other Psalms like Psalm 3, 10, uh, 14, 27, 55, and so on. And uh, like our present culture, uh, the Bible and the Psalms uh, use different words to talk about fear. And so sometimes we might read about uh, worry or uh, anxiety, being anxious. Uh, And uh, these are words that we know by our experience that are somewhat related. uh, And yet um, we don't always know how to maybe nuance the differences or how these words are uh, connected. And so perhaps one way that we can think about these emotions is on a kind of spectrum of severity. Uh, For example, uh, we might fear a confrontation that we know is coming at work. So uh, we might uh, worry about that, or we might worry because um, our children are gone from the house uh, longer than they should have been. This kind of fear or worry can often be helpful because it rouses us to action. In this case, it might prepare us uh, for conflict at work, or it might prepare us to uh, help us reach out to our children uh, if they are gone uh, too long to make sure that they're okay. But as these emotions of fear and worry grow, an emotion of anxiety can set in. If fear, uh, think of it this way, if fear or worry are like the lightning strike in the storm, anxiety is like the darkened clouds which are present before and after the lightning strikes. And so, for example, in Psalm 3, uh, David expresses fear over his enemies and what they might do to him. But in Psalm 55, there is this stronger language he uses of his heart being at anguish within him. The former example might be an example of fear or worry, but maybe in Psalm 55, it'd be better to think of it as a deep-seated anxiety of the soul. And so the Psalms are fully aware that our experiences of fear may widely vary both in cause and severity. And the language of psychiatry today can be helpful with that as well because uh, the uh, psychiatric language will use descriptors such as uh, social anxiety disorder or panic disorder or generalized anxiety disorder. And all of these can be helpful in understanding our experience and how to find uh, the right treatment and the care uh, that we need. I share all of that by way of introduction uh, just to tell you this morning that as we come to Psalm 23 together, uh, I'm going to be using the word fear Uh, But I want to use it in a way that would include this wider range, maybe, of emotion, of of worry and anxiety as well. And I hope uh, that you will see this morning that this this psalm is for you, no matter where you might be on that uh, range of severity. Maybe you're just going through a hard time at work or at home right now that's causing a lot of fear, or maybe you're someone who has struggled with anxiety your whole life. I hope you will find that this psalm is for you, and I hope you will find words of comfort here as we study this psalm together. And so let's give our attention now uh, to Psalm 23 as we read here uh, this, this Psalm of David. Please give it your careful attention as it is God's word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this text together, just pray that you would um, lead us to our good shepherd who is Christ, and that in his pasture we would find uh, his tender love and care, and we would find just, uh, uh, just how great his help and his mercy is in our time of need, especially now in this time of worry and fear and trouble that so many of us are facing. So we pray that you would illuminate our hearts and minds during this time, Help us to sit under your word and not over it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So what I want you to get from this psalm this morning, uh, two things, is that in order to pray through our fears, we first need to know our shepherd. We need to know who our shepherd is. And second, we need to know the help that our shepherd brings. So we need to know our shepherd and we need to know the help that our shepherd brings. So first, our shepherd. Um, The situation which David finds himself in, in this psalm, is not exactly clear to us. Uh, But in order to describe it, he uses this powerful imagery of the valleys of the shadow of death in verse 4. Now, this world is filled with many valleys, isn't it? These valleys are dark and often feel like the weight of death may be upon us. And it might be the fear of immediate death. Maybe that's a reality for some of you. Uh, right now listening to this. But it's not always the fear of immediate death. It might be the fear for our loved ones or maybe just the memory of loved ones who have passed. Uh, There are daily reminders in this life that our bodies are fragile, that we are weak, that we are susceptible to disease. And ultimately, we are all susceptible to time. The world can be a dark place, and we can find ourselves in its valleys and its dark shadows often. But in the midst of this dark valley, David uses this metaphor, uh, this beautiful and intimate metaphor for God and who he is. He says that God is our shepherd. And in other places, we might find David using words like king or deliverer or rock or shield. Here in verse 1, he uses a term that was deeply familiar to him because God was deeply familiar to him. To say that God is our shepherd communicates to us that God lives closely with his people, that he provides for and protects his people as if they are his own flock. Knowing God as shepherd ought to just show us how deep his love goes for us. There is no other deity on record who would allow such a lowly word to be used to describe him. And yet God is so aware of our weaknesses that he would allow this term to be used to describe him, to be given to him. And not only is he aware of our weaknesses, but he has shared in our weaknesses. The prophets in places like Isaiah 40 or Ezekiel 34 continue this idea of anticipating the loving kindness of God who is and will be a shepherd to his people. 
And in Christ, this metaphor becomes a reality. As we read in John chapter 10, Jesus definitively saw himself as the shepherd who loves his sheep, who protects his sheep. The shepherd to whom uh, David was praying in Psalm 23. He is the good shepherd who ultimately lays down his life for his sheep. The authors of the New Testament continue this idea in uh, places like Hebrews 13, where Jesus is called the great shepherd of the sheep, or 1 Peter 2, where he is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And so Jesus comes to us as our shepherd. And he would not, friend, I want you to hear this, he would not call himself our shepherd if he did not intend for his life to be deeply bound up with ours. So when we are in a situation, when we are feeling fear or anxiety, like we are walking through the valleys of the shadow of death, it is so important that we remember this, that we come to our Savior as David did, seeing him as our tender shepherd who cares for his sheep and who guides and protects his sheep. However, I think the tendency for many of us, especially for those of us who have been influenced by a tough or a legalistic form of Christianity, uh, we are reluctant to approach Christ in this way. We are convinced that when we fear, Christ does not come to us tenderly as a shepherd, but in condemnation as a judge. We then become quick to label our fear as sin, thinking that Christ must be ashamed of us. Friend, if you do that, you will not only miss out on Christ's tender love and care for you, but you will just miss out on who he is as shepherd who guides and protects his sheep. This is a point that author and counselor Ed Welch makes in his recent article, Fear is Not Sin. And I think the article is really profound. And I just want to take a minute to summarize a couple of the points that he makes there uh, because I think it's so uh, relevant to our understanding of Christ as shepherd and how he cares for us in our own valleys when we are in fearful situations. Uh, Do not fear or fear not is the most repeated command in the Bible. And Jesus often uses it throughout the four gospels. We read one of those examples this morning in our service. And so often we come to this command, uh, fear not or do not be afraid. And we read it at a very surface level. And we interpret it as Jesus is saying, your fears must stop. As if he's just looking at us, wagging wagging his finger saying, stop that. And so we think then by implication that if we don't stop our fears, that we must be in sin because we're disobeying Jesus. But a more thoughtful reading will show us that fear and anxiety is not always, if perhaps even rarely, the result of our sin. Ed Welch says that we should consider our own use of the phrase, do not be afraid. You know, recently, Felix, uh, he's had some trouble sleeping through the night. And on several occasions, I can tell when I come into his room, you know, at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, uh, I can tell he's not sleeping, that he woke up because something spooked him in his dreams. And so as he's sitting there in his crib crying and I go to pick him up, uh, often the first words out of my mouth are, don't be afraid. It's okay. And so when I say that to Felix, am I commanding him for his fear to stop? No. No. What am, I, what am I really saying to him? I'm saying everything is going to be okay. 
I'm here now, right? Daddy's here now. This is the intent with which we should read Jesus's words. Uh, Jesus's words, do not be afraid or fear not. They come to, to us in this Greek form of the imperative, which is often how we get a command. Uh, but the imperative form of a verb, it can be a command. Uh, it can also be an entreaty. We can entreat, uh, we can request someone through, through this same verb form. This is uh, in um, uh, the Lord's Prayer, right? When we pray, give us this day our daily bread or may your kingdom come. Uh, we're not commanding God to give us bread. We are requesting, entreating him, right, to provide. Think of other places in the Gospels, like in Luke 7, when Jesus meets the grieving widow and he says to her, do not weep. Is he condemning her? Pointing his finger at her? Wagging his finger saying, stop that? No. His words are those of comfort and compassion toward a woman who is overcome by grief and weakness. Friends, it's not wrong that you and I fear or become anxious. Often our fears and anxieties are the results of desires that are at risk, and those desires can be good. The desire for work is good, and the fear of perhaps losing our job or losing income during this time, that's, that's a natural fear, an appropriate fear. The desire for health and long life is good, and so the fear of a virus during a pandemic is an appropriate response. And of course, our desires can be lustful and excessive. And of course, we can be then led to um, sin out of our lustful desires. Of course, we could be led to maybe sinful thoughts or actions because of those uh, sinful desires. But to jump to the conclusion that all of our desires are sinful and that all of our fears, all of our anxieties, all of our worries are the result uh, of sin, that's a leap that we ought not to make. It's a giant leap that we ought not to make either for ourselves or for others. But if we view Christ as he is, if we view him as our shepherd, as a tender shepherd who protects and provides for us in our weaknesses, then two things will happen. Uh, sorry about that uh, technical difficulty. So we were looking at Psalm 23 and I was really looking at the first verse uh, with you just to uh, remind us of who Christ is uh, as our shepherd, that he is our good shepherd, that he cares for us, that he does not come to us to condemn us in our weaknesses, but that when he comes to us and says, do not be afraid, he's inviting us in to his life. He's inviting us in to find comfort and hope in him. And so we need to remember that when we are walking through the valleys of fear and of darkness, that we can come to Christ who is our shepherd um, who comforts us uh, when we fear, when we are anxious, when we are troubled. So we need to know our shepherd. That was the first point. And second point that I want to walk through now is the help of our shepherd, okay? The help of our shepherd. And we're going to look more at the rest of Psalm 23 now. Uh, so we can approach Christ in our fears and weaknesses, but this psalm not only teaches us who Christ is, but also the help that he brings, the benefits that he brings to his sheep um, in his flock. Uh, the German monk Martin Luther, commenting on Psalm 23, said it like this. He said, As little as a natural sheep can feed, direct, or guide itself, or guard and protect itself against the danger and misfortunes of life, just so 
Just so little can we poor, weak people feed and guide and protect ourselves spiritually or protect ourselves against all evil and gain help and comfort for ourselves in anxiety and distress. He goes on to say, As little as a natural sheep can help itself in even the slightest degree, but must simply depend on its shepherd for all its benefits, just so must human beings depend on God, their shepherd, for everything. And so when we depend on Christ, our shepherd, we receive his help and his benefits. And we find in this psalm at least five ways that Christ, our shepherd, helps us in our time of need. Each of these five five helps are appropriate not only for us uh, to pray for, uh, but also to seek, to seek earnestly, uh, so long as we are seeking them in Christ alone. These five helps, these five uh, blessings uh, do now belong to us by our very nature because we are united to our good shepherd in faith. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 1, we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so as we're going to walk through the rest of this psalm now, these are some of the spiritual blessings that we have from Christ. And as we're walking through these five helps, I want you to be honest with yourself and I want you to ask yourself some questions. Do you believe that Christ is willing to help you in these ways? Have you sought his help or have you avoided doing so? perhaps out of fear, or maybe because you viewed it as being selfish. Christ is your shepherd, and if you are his sheep, then he cares for you. So let me show you five ways. First, he cares for our spiritual needs. A good shepherd provides pasture and fresh water for his sheep. And so too, in verse two, we read that our shepherd has led us to his pastures where we can um, come and graze on on his word and his word is sweet to us. The church father, St. Augustine said, your pastures are the words of God and his commandments, and they have all been sown as sweet grasses. And so we agree with the psalmist who elsewhere said in Psalm 119, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And so, uh, fellow sheep, let me remind you that sheep do not belong to their shepherd in isolation, but they belong to their shepherd only in so much as they are a part of his flock. It would be a very strange sight if we were to drive down the countryside and find a large field with only one lone little sheep grazing by itself. And so, too, it is an odd sight to find a Christian who believes themselves to be a part of a flock of one who makes no time to read God's word and graze in his pastures with other Christians. Grazing on God's word is not an activity for us to do only on our own. And so as glad as I would be as your pastor to find out that you are reading your Bible every day, I would be even gladder to find out that you are reading your Bible with other Christians every week. See, the cares and the struggles of this world are exhausting and can cause us much fear, but we are safe and secure when we are protected with Christ's flock, when we are in his pasture grazing on his word together. And so then let us seek and pray for other Christians to to feed on God's word together. And there we will be able to say, like David, that we will find the rest and the refreshment that we need. We will be able to pray with David that God has restored our soul. 
And so first, he cares for our spiritual needs. Second, he cares for our directional needs. In verses three and four, we see that our shepherd leads us along the right paths. Like sheep, we are prone to wander and are often lost. But Jesus tells us in Luke 15 that when one of his sheep are lost, he seeks and he finds it. He goes out after it, putting her on his shoulders to bring her back to the fold. He is a tender shepherd who keeps us on the right path. And though we may stray, if we are his, he will bring us back to his flock. Why does he do this? The psalmist says, for his own namesake. You know, it is often the case that it is through the testimony of God's grace uh, through our trials, which attracts other broken sinners to join Christ's flock. You might remember uh, the story of um, the woman at the well from John chapter 4. And though Christ saw her for all of her sins and all of her fears, she was no longer ashamed because she had found her shepherd. So she could go and she could run to her, uh, the townsfolk and proclaim that she had found her shepherd who knows everything about her, all of her sinful past. But she didn't care because she, she knew her shepherd who loved her and cared for her. And many people came to Christ and joined in his flock that day. I hope this would be a great comfort to many of us. I know many of you have loved ones who you fear that their spiritual state might be in jeopardy. And if you have children and you worry about them, that they might be wandering far from Christ and his church, it is right for you to fear and worry for them. But I want to encourage you that you don't fear and worry alone. Uh, That you have Christ, your shepherd, and if they are his, he will go out and he will find them and bring them back. And so continue to pray and pray with earnestness that he would do so. Entreat, request him to do so to go and seek after your loved ones. So he cares for our directional needs. Third, he meets our emotional needs. We must take caution here because we must understand that the dark valleys of life are as truly one of these right paths uh, as are the green pastures. But even so, we need not fear, David says in verse four. You see, friends, following Christ... (laughs) It's not all sunshine, right? It's not all just walking through fields of daisies. Um, It's hard. It can be really hard. But regardless of any danger, we can turn to our shepherd with our fears and find comfort in our time of need. You know, some might prefer or even demand that God protect us from all darkness and suffering. But that is not God's promise. His promise to us is that he will walk with us through the valley, through the suffering. He pledges his presence to us. And armed with his rod in the one hand to to protect us and his staff in the other hand to guide us, he is a shepherd whose presence brings us much comfort. Tom and Nancy Lynn are missionaries to Mongolia. And in one recent account of their experiences living on mission there, they share their difficulties and fears and what it looked like for them to learn to trust Christ, uh, to trust in his presence as their shepherd. And so here's what they said, and I quote, they said, We remember vividly a cold night in our apartment in Ulaanbaatar when Nancy and I sobbed and huddled on the floor of our bathroom in the dark. The power was out again, but we barely noticed it amid an argument we were having. 
We missed home. We missed friends. We felt alone and alienated in every way. But God was transforming us from tourists into sojourners. We were experiencing real losses, taking real risks, and feeling real vulnerability. And stripped of everything familiar, we were now reliant on his provision and dependent on his mercy. We were forced to believe that what Jesus said to Paul was true for us as well. My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Is that something that you can say this morning? Do you fear what now troubles you or lies before you? Turn to Christ and ask him for his comfort and his presence and see if he does not bring that guiding comfort to you. Fourth, our shepherd meets our physical needs. In Mark chapter 6, it tells this famous story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. The story begins with Jesus and his disciples on a boat. And when they come to shore, there was a great crowd there, waiting, eager, lost, hungry. And verse 34 says that when he looked on the crowd, Jesus had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he taught them many things about his kingdom. And then... He fed them. There's a double meaning here in verse 5 that I want you to see. Both what we could say is maybe it's immediate meaning and then it's meaning set within uh, the context of redemptive history. David says that his shepherd prepares a table for him in the midst of his enemies, that his head is anointed with oil and that his cup is overflowing. It's kind of the, the immediate meaning here is this. God provides for our physical needs. The force of the Hebrew here is almost uh, luxurious. There's a table filled with food. Our, tables have been wa- our bodies have been washed and rubbed with oil. Our cup of wine is overflowing. God has shown David tremendous hospitality. Now, this language might make some of us uneasy, because we are rightly uncomfortable with the kind of teaching that says God is in the business of uh, making us rich or materially successful. But that's not what's in view here. And we shouldn't be afraid of this lesson and its application just because we're afraid of its abuse. Christ provides for his people. Christ meets the needs of his people. And sometimes that happens supernaturally, as, in, as is uh, the case of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, if you all were here in this room uh, this morning, we could probably pass the mic, and I'm sure we would hear many stories of people who were supernaturally provided for. Maybe you were in a hard situation financially, and there was a surprise bonus check at work that you couldn't have anticipated, that you couldn't have planned for. There was one time uh, Neva and I, you know, just in God's kindness and in his providence, uh, we got a check from our house from like four years ago that was a settlement on our mortgage payments that we had, like, couldn't have anticipated and just showed up at our new house um, out of the blue, right? Uh, some of you maybe have received anonymous um, help when you were in a time of need and you still don't know where that anonymous help came from. It just showed up on your doorstep, right? So that certainly happens. But it's often the case that Christ provides for his sheep by means of the flock. 
And this is a beautiful example that we see throughout the book of Acts, right? Uh, the, the apostles, they appoint deacons to make sure that the physical needs of the people are cared for. And as the story of Acts unfolds, we find that in the early church, the people, they shared all that they had with each other so that nobody had needs, so that nobody was hungry, so that nobody had need. So the message that bears repeating for us this morning is that Christ's sheep must take great care to be committed members of the flock. If you need help and care, God would give it to you through his church. And if you have resources to spare, God would have you freely give and steward those resources so that none of your brothers or sisters are in need. The Apostle John wrote in his epistle, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how could God's love abide in him? Christ meets our needs. He is our shepherd. And so pray then to receive God's care and seek it in his church. And if you are a member of his church with resources to to spare, pray for a heart of compassion. Pray to see the needs of others so that you could ease the burdens of others in their times of fear or worry or great distress. Lastly, our shepherd meets our eternal needs. So turn again to the top of verse 5. So the immediate application would be that, that God does provide for our physical needs. But let's take this and now read this in light of what we call redemptive history, in light of the beautiful redemptive plan that God has been working out through redemptive history. God has prepared a a table for David. In the Old Testament world, to eat and drink at someone's table was a sign of mutual loyalty. It was often the culminating sign of a covenant ceremony. And so to be God's guest at his table is to be more than a visitor stopping by for the afternoon. It is to be invited into his house to live with him. It is to be invited into his house to dwell with him all the days of our life, both now and into eternity. And of course, we have such a table like this, the Lord's table. And at that last meal, Jesus told his disciples that it would be the culminating sign of his new covenant. The cup is what? The new covenant in his blood. And we are to celebrate that meal with Christ as he eats it, dines with us spiritually at his table until he comes again to bring us into his home, the house of the Lord. Friend, you see, the journeys through this life, the journeys through the valleys of the shadows of death, it's a journey home. It's a journey home. And we can say with David that mercy and goodness really do follow us all of our days. Mercy here is that Hebrew word hesed, which is steadfast love, God's covenant love, that love that never runs out, that never gives up, that never abandons his people. And so providing and caring for our needs, this is something which God is most eager and pleased to do. His steadfast love and goodness pursues us. His tender care anticipates our needs. He doesn't wait on our requests. He gives us a share in Christ's blessings, providing us residence in his house now and forevermore. It is my greatest privilege as a pastor uh, to regularly set the Lord's table 
for us. And so it's one of my greatest sorrows right now during this COVID-19 time that we can't come to the table together. But if we were here together, if we were here and we were able to come to the table together, here is what I might say to you, all of you, as we prepare to come to, to Christ's table together. I would say first that the Lord's table is a table for Christ's sheep. And when the table is set before you, you either come to the table as one of Christ's sheep or you watch from afar as one of his enemies, like David says. And so if you are one of his sheep, I would say to you then to come and to come quickly to take of the bread and the juice to be reminded of our shepherd's sacrifice for you and for his tender love and care for you. I would say to you that you have a shepherd who ministers to you in your time of need. And even though we can't come to the table now, I still say the same thing to you. And I hope that you will know and come to your shepherd today. But I would say to others of you, asking, are you his enemy? Are you his enemy? Do you fear Christ as your judge? If so, you would be right to do so. But he doesn't come to you today as judge. He comes to you as shepherd and friend. And who wouldn't be happy to have a shepherd like this? Who wouldn't be happy to be one of his sheep? So I'd ask you this morning, why not come to Christ and make him your shepherd? A shepherd who loves you and cares for you, who protects you and guides you and sets you on the right path who will be with you even through the dark valleys of fear, worry, anxiety, and even death. Why not journey with him on this journey home into his house forever? Let's pray to our shepherd together. Christ, we are just amazed by your tender love and care that we see uh, on display for us in this psalm. Lord, we commend, uh, commit this time to you, asking that by your spirit, you would um, impress it upon our hearts that you would comfort us. Help us to see just how great your tender love and care is for us. And guide us now as your sheep, as we um, depart from the service and go into our weeks, with all the troubles and the valleys that it brings. We thank you that we know you are with us, um, no matter how dark uh, our life might be. Pray this all in your name. Amen.